It is time for another episode of Reliving the Lights, a Friday Night Lights rewatch podcast with your hosts, Josh Kuypers and Anthony Hookman. We are here. We are nearing the end of the season and it's just bangers over and over from here on out. So excited to talk about it. But, you know, I like to have a little little icebreaker question here at the beginning of the episode before we dig into it. So this is going to be just completely out of left field, but I'm curious. I, I genuinely don't know the answer to this question. So Friday Night Lights is one of your favorite TV shows of all time, right? Correct. So first question, where would you put it in like your top 10 and what is a show that is even above Friday Night Lights in your uh, yeah TV show yeah. list? That is a mean question because the the older that I get, the less I'm about ranking things, and the sure. more I'm about just being like, "Here are ten shows that I love. Don't make me put them in order." <laughs> Fair, okay. Um, we'll just name some so more shows. <laughs> shows that I would say are on its level or better. Yep would be Breaking Bad. Yeah. The original Twilight Zone from okay. the 50s and 60s. Yeah, I haven't seen any of that. Oh, you gotta. It's so good. It's <laughs> yeah. so good. Um, that actually might be my favorite show of all time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed. Is I have the, all available? of them on Blu-ray. Okay. Uh, they're all on Hulu with commercials, or if you pay for Hulu sure. commercials. Seasons one through three and five are on Netflix season four. They switched to hour long episodes. And I don't know if that's why season four isn't on Netflix, hmm, okay. but a vast majority of the, the episodes are on uh, Netflix. So, and do you think this has like vast universal appeal? Like, are you confident that I'll like it or is this just something? Oh, I like- think you will like the twilight. Zone okay. For sure. Okay. Um, the right. Twilight Zone rules. And like, I don't think it has vast universal appeal, but I know you and I know <laughs> sure. that you'll like the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair um, and it's, it's pretty timeless. Um, the other shows that I would put up there would be, it's cheating, but the first 13 seasons of The Simpsons. Yeah. Fair. Um, and then there's stuff that like, I really, really adore but it's kind of out there like uh, check it out with Dr. Steve rule is one of my <laughs> yeah. all time, all time favorites. Yeah. Um, kind of feel like this is a lot of comedy and not enough drama. You know what? Uh, Steve Brule, I feel like the same summer that we watched Friday night lights, we would occasionally pop on. Mm-mm. It was different. Uh, check it out with Dr. Steve rule. Season one would have been that season. I didn't find out about it until like after season two. Okay. So. Fair enough. I I did discover the first time I was exposed to Dr. Steve Brule was in your basement watching on your PlayStation. That sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. God, I know that there's something that is later going to jump out at me. So I'm going to just take a little bit of time to think because I know there's at least one more drama <laughs> yeah. series that has really sucked me in the same way that, that Friday Night Lights has. Well, <laughs> the OC. <laughs> yeah, is I was it- waiting for it. I don't think the OC is on Friday Night Lights' level, but no. it is. Uh, it would be in my top 15 for sure. Yeah, right on. But yeah, I would say as far as dramas go, Breaking Bad um, for sure is yeah. just front to back incredible. Mm-hmm. Twilight Zone is front to back incredible. 
but yeah, those, those would be my, my choices. I'm sure that I'm leaving something out and later we'll be like, dang it. I should have included that. But yeah, those are, those are my choices for now. Yeah, that's great. Breaking bad. Also definitely on my list. VOC, obviously on my list. (laughs) So for comedies, I grew up watching mash with my dad. Oh yeah. You love mash. I didn't know that. I've, I've watched through all those 11 seasons many a time. Mm. Frasier would be on my list for sure. Both of our lists. (laughs) Yeah. In recent watch for both of us. really. So then, and then that brings up another one of my favorites that I watch with my dad all the time. Cheers. Uh, Cheers Mm -hmm. is on my list. I know it's a controversial statement these days, but uh, I've already referenced The Office a few times. I do love The Office. Roll your eyes. It's fine. Uh, I think (laughs) Parks and Rec would be in my top 15. Yep. For sure. I also was really into Sons of Anarchy when that show was on TV. That was Breaking Bad and Sons of Anarchy were on at the same time. So Mm -hmm. those were my two like big watches for the week every week. So yeah, but man, if I had to like... Put Friday Night Lights, put a number on it. I honestly, I probably, I probably have to give, and this, this includes sentimental reasons, but I got to give Mash like my top spot. So it goes Mash, and then I think Friday Night Lights is my number two, for sure. And then I probably go Office, and then Breaking Bad, and then beyond that, yeah, it's just kind of <laughs> a bunch of stuff yeah. I like. Yeah, I think if I really, really were forced to rank, I'd go, I think I'd go Twilight Zone number one if put on the spot. Uh And then I think (sighs) Friday Night Lights and Breaking Bad would be a tie, like a tie for number two. Yeah. And then, you know, probably The Simpsons number, a a close number four. Like that's, I almost want to put that (laughs) all three tied at number two (laughs) because like The Simpsons is what I grew up watching and was obsessed with. And to this day, like, I find myself just, there are a few shows that I own. Well, I was going to say the entire series on DVD because I don't own the entire series of the Simpsons, but I do have the first 14 seasons and Mm -hmm. there is nary a week. A lot of people say like, Oh, season eight's where it starts to get bad. That's completely ridiculous to me. (laughs) Like there are, when I started buying the DVDs and I started looking back and being like, Oh, what about this episode? What about this episode? And I found out like, there's several episodes that I love well into season 14. So that show just, it formed my humor, like in the same way that Conan O'Brien did, which I think we've talked about on the show uh, before this, like, and Conan of course wrote for the Simpsons when he was starting Mm -hmm. out. So Mm -hmm. just, I credit the Simpsons to forming my, my humor a (laughs) lot. Like it shaped, shaped me in a lot of ways. And I still like in a lot of those episodes, I go back and they're still, I've, some of them I've watched time after time after time and still make me laugh. Like that show is just pure gold. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. We used to watch when I was little, we watched the Simpsons as a family. It was on Sunday nights, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, And up until I, if I had to guess, I was probably about eight or nine and we were watching the Simpsons and I repeated something that Bart said, oh. and it was something, it was, this sucks, basically, <laughs> which now, like, <laughs> yeah. doesn't even register on pe- yeah. in people's ears. But I repeated Bart when he said, this sucks. And I went on about a three to four year ban in our house wow. on The Simpsons after that. 
I had our our neighbors across the street, the Gukaisens, uh-huh. um, were were not allowed to watch The Simpsons, which <laughs> yeah. like <sighs> Platt had a very limited cable package uh-huh. uh, in the '90s and up until 2002, and we didn't have MTV, but we lived out in the country for two or three years. And we had satellite TV and we got MTV and I became very enamored with Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and wow. I was not allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead <laughs> yeah. um, for a number of years. And so like, I think my parents drew the line at the Simpsons. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause yeah, like I had neighbors like that weren't allowed to watch the Simpsons. And I like, I think back and go like, I, at the time I was like, that's pretty weird. Um, and of course, like my metric, <laughs> which I think you'll probably have a rule relate to this as well was that I think, and maybe you won't, but I feel like my metric a lot growing up as a kid was, is this art or is the artist Christian? And it was a big concern of mine for a long, long, like well into high school, probably. (laughs) Um, And like, I remember being like, Oh, the Simpsons go to church. They're Christians. Like, this is cool. (laughs) This is fine. Really? That was like genuinely part of my logic, like because church is like a big part of their life, um, yeah. like you know features in a lot of episodes. Uh, so I think that was my mindset as a kid. That and it, like and like I said, in retrospect, with what's on TV now, like The Simpsons, even twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, like The Simpsons is so tame. Yeah, pretty <laughs> innocuous, but. <laughs> no that that never would have even crossed my mind that really? that metric but i <laughs> i really like that that's great i remember here's here's another story before we jump into things yeah um when i was okay so it would have been like so yeah well into high school when i was like a junior in high school nine inch nails released an album uh with teeth and uh-huh. it featured uh the song you which i love like i remember seeing that video on on mtv or maybe it was vh1 and being like oh man i'm really into nine inch nails <laughs> and and i remember like seeking out like trying to find out if trent Reznor was a christian <laughs> like Whoa, yeah. and i remember like that was the song that launched my stuff and i remember reading that he because two years prior to that johnny cash had that huge cover of hurt yeah. that was like everywhere for like 10 years <laughs> right. and i read an interview with Trent Reznor and he said like in regards to when he first heard the Johnny Cash cover he said something on the lines of like it was like God was nudging me and so I was like we're good <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah reaching pretty hard there but pretty take, wild yeah. the yeah the the <laughs> gymnastics that, that took but that's um what the old first reform upbringing will do to you so it, I and guess so yeah man <laughs> well yeah I I didn't have too many restrictions on what I could or could not watch, but <laughs> my kids have even less, it seems, as they are regularly <laughs> watching pro wrestling with yeah. me and know who every character of The Office is. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, well, so. And that was another thing. So, my favorite wrestler growing up was Sting. And Sting. So, I started watching in the summer of 98. And at Halloween Havoc 98 Sting had a match against Bret Hart and then like disappeared for like nine months, which when you're like 10 years old, nine months is such a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I remember there was an article on WCW.com, which I was frequenting at the time. 
<laughs> and it was an article. Huh? Oh yeah. Wow. Um, it was an article about how Sting like because he got injured in that match or something. I don't think they got into this in the article, but I found out later that he was like really into drugs and he like became a born again Christian during that time. No way. And I remember reading that article and being like, yes. <laughs> like, yes. So like, not, like I am, I'm still happy for him. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Sting, if you're listening to this, we'll, we'll please come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like that was, that was a very cool thing for me. I was very into, yeah. The people that I, the, the art that I enjoyed being Christian, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I guess I definitely get that. I didn't think on that level, but. I, I would say it was important to me too, for sure. Uh, and of yeah. course my favorite band catalyst, which was, Oh man, <laughs> classics banger after banger on the old catalyst albums. Uh, yeah, we'll have, we'll have uh fellow catalyst member, Jordan Erickson. Actually, Tyler did a little stint in catalyst as well. Uh, so we'll have three fourths of catalyst present when we do our crossover episode yes. uh, coming up. Uh, definitely overtly Christian, even though we said crap on our CD, <laughs> yes. it was pretty controversial. That was, uh, I think the lead single for the album, right? That's the I one would, that I remember. I would, I would think that would be the one you remembered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> oh man. Well, this is, uh, we're going to talk about this little piece of Christian art, uh, because the whole town of Dylan goes to church. So mm-hmm. we are <laughs> count it. We're going to, we should probably submit these podcasts to focus on the family. Uh, just <laughs> Dr. Maybe James get, Thompson, yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> exactly. Get You can, yeah, we'll have you on James. Uh, Dr. Dobson, come on, <laughs> come on the show. Speaking of which, Anthony, what are you drinking? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm still in, in proof as a prophylactic to the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, so I'm drinking uh, Costco Kirkland gin and great value tonic water. Ooh, nothing but the best in in preparation for that Rona <laughs> in a PBR glass, no less. Mm. So high class. I still, I have got the natty light natterdays, strawberry wow. lemonade and drinking Ooh. beer <laughs> for those who like strawberry lemonade and drinking beer. And that that's me. <laughs> well, we just spent 20 minutes on our intro. Son of a, <laughs> we did it again. <laughs> just as we were making good time. Yeah. All right, so we've spent 20 minutes talking about other TV shows <laughs> and uh, the beverages we're drinking. So let's go ahead and get into episode 19 of Friday Night Lights Changes. This episode aired the 21st of March of 2007. It was highly rated uh, with an 8.1 on the IMDb user rating. And I believe we have a Movie Dude 1 synopsis. We do not. Oh, it's not Movie Dude 1. Ah, the one time I just assumed. Well, it might be Movie Dude 1 because it's written by Anonymous. Ooh, uncredited. (laughs) Movie Dude 1 has heard our criticisms and he has decided to take my name off of it. Well, let's let's hear it, and then we'll decide if we think this is a a Movie Dude 1 joint or not. (laughs) (laughs) Good call, good call. 
with TMU trying to recruit Coach Taylor, Julie insists that she will not be moved away from Matt and Dylan. The quad rugby recruiters in Austin deliver some bad news to Jason. Riggins becomes friends with a single mother and her son. <laughs> not movie dude one. Not movie dude one. Not enough run on sentences. Exactly. There was no. There were no run on sentences. Uh, I laughed because it was she will not be moved away from Matt and Dylan, and that just made me think of she won't be moved away from Matt Dylan. <laughs> yep, that same. <laughs> yeah, I, I also I paused after that. Yep, because uh, I thought the exact same thing. But no, it was simple but way too clear to be movie dude one. So that's true. That's true. Uh, we hope you come back, movie dude one. Hopefully, see you next week. All right, so. We open up this episode with Tammy and Coach looking at house listings. Coach has gotten the job offer from TMU, and so they are checking out the the real estate market in Austin, and Julie overhears them talking about it. Yeah, Julie is not happy. But not only that they've been planning this, but also that they've been keeping it from her. Yep. She does not want to move again. She kind of freaks out about it. She being the coach's daughter, she has moved around most of her childhood. And so she does not want to move again. Coach tells her not to tell anyone, especially Matt Saracen. Uh So we've got some unrest in the Taylor household. Um, We go to quad rugby tryouts yet. And tattoo girl is just sitting there watching from the sidelines and I don't know. I It's kind of weird. Is it kind of yeah, weird? It's weird for she's, sure. Like she's some sort of quad rugby groupie. Yeah. She's got a thing going on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's something. And I don't think we, well, because she was in the, right? Like she was one of the people like doing yeah. the tryouts or like, or in the, the sign-ins. So, yeah. so she's involved. Maybe but, there's, she's involved, but but maybe she's involved just to be closer to have an excuse to be at quad rugby practice. I don't know. But I mean, she was, she was already involved before street came along. Unless you're, unless what you're suggesting is that she's just into guys in wheelchairs, which is, that's what I was suggesting. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Maybe there's a a couple episodes of Kirby enthusiasm, which is also one of my favorite shows of all time. It would be high, high up there. Um, where Larry dates two women in a wheelchair at the same time, <laughs> and he he saves them oh, like he saves one of them in his phone as Wendy wheelchair, and the other one is like Holly handicap or something oh. like that. It's yeah, it ends poorly for him, but I always think about that. And actually, I I started using that method in my own phone. If I meet somebody <laughs> and I I don't know their last name or I can't remember it, uh, there was a lot of for a certain period of my life there was several girls saved in my phone with the last name of Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) Legendary. Yeah. I believe is what we called your Tinder career. I still, uh, ironically enough, my friend, Justin Charnell, who may be listening to this. So shout out to you, Justin, if you're listening to this, the first time we met, I was very drunk in a bar and he was like, I've been thinking about starting a podcast and so he's still to this day, he actually, he isn't in my phone anymore, but in my uh, Snapchat, he's still saved as Justin podcast. <laughs> that's how we met. Was, uh, I was drunk and he uh, was talking about starting a podcast. So we exchanged numbers and I saved him as Justin podcast, which is. Yeah. 
Well, he better update you and his phone as Anthony Podcast. <laughs> yes. You actually did it. We actually ended up uh, taking several classes together at SDSU too. And like we did a couple, well, the, the, oh, the video, video that, yeah, that was, that was with <laughs> Justin podcast. Great guy. I love that guy to death. So. Nice. He actually on Facebook, when I announced our podcast, he uh, reacted with an angry face, I think because <laughs> he, he and I had never started the podcast. So maybe we'll get a, maybe we'll get a podcast with Justin one of these days, me and him, but and. Till then, you've got reliving the lights with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony and Josh. Anyway, anyway, tattoo girl is lurking. Yeah, uh, and then later on, they're at a a club. Um, I actually just saw it in the IMDb trivia. It was uh, they're at a concert uh, at the Continental Club in Austin. Okay. Uh, which is at 1315 South Congress Avenue for those wanting to, yeah, as listed in the IMDb trivia. So, oh, there you go. Um, concert attended by wheelchair rugby uh, takes place at uh, Continental Club in Austin. So, they don't say who the band was, though. I was actually curious know. about that. I was, that was, I, I was too. I was, if they were pulling really an OC that. and having, you know, yeah. a, a real band on, it struck me very much as in that style. Mm hmm. But Jason found out after practice that he did not make the team. So oh, while, yes. while most of the team at the bar is celebrating and having a good time, Jason is pretty bummed out and he's mad and he's making accusations of the coach just picking his boys. Yeah, he is very indignant that he should have made the team. Yeah, he's the best a- athlete out there. And so Herc is kind of talking to him about it, talking some sense into him. Jason says, I needed this. And Herc says, we all did. It's the championship QB, not therapy. Uh, So a little tough love from, from Herc there. Um, But basically tells him like, you didn't make the team. You are a great athlete, but you're just not comfortable in a chair yet. Exactly. So meanwhile, they're at this, the club and, and, uh, tattoo girl says, well, street says, well, this sucks because I didn't make the team. So I'm basically done here. Yeah. And I have to, or Herc is my ride back. And I have to basically just post up here for the next two weeks while he practices and lives out what I be, you know, what I want to be doing. And tattoo girl suddenly has a, a light bulb go off making her move. Yeah, she says, oh, I've got a, a fridge that I need to deliver to my sister in, did you catch the town? No. Uh, it's the town nearby Dylan. Basically, she'd, <laughs> yep. be, she'd be passing right through. It's like if, uh, if, if you were going from Sioux Falls and needed to go to Gregory, God forbid, okay. yeah. uh, you've got pretty much no choice but to go through Platt. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right only reasonable to to pop through so and, and and offer that ride yeah so very convenient for her so jason agrees to that and says i can give you some gas money or something yeah that was weird real suggestive <laughs> playing right into her hand yeah tim has fixed bo's mom's gutters again no euphemism yet no yet <laughs> And she's not actually very happy about that. Um, no, he wakes up 
presumably hungover, but once again, no on-screen beers consumed. Yeah. He wakes up looking hungover to a an urgent sounding knocking at his door. Bo's mom says, Don't do that. You know, if I if I want my gutters to be fixed, I'll I'll call somebody. I'll call uh or I'll do it myself. Or I'll do it myself. But she had said in the previous episode that she's not gonna have time to do it. So Yeah, yeah. He had uh you know, he could have asked, but yeah, he he definitely was out of uh out of line. However, she says, Now that I'm done yelling at you, basically, I've got a favor to ask. <laughs> she says, I um got called into work or something. I can't pick up Bo today. Can you pick up Bo? And he obliges. Yep. And uh, she tells him to make sure that you don't keep him waiting, picking him up because he's got trust issues. Yes. Uh, makes that clear. We see T- Tyra and Tammy uh, talking classes. In- yeah, Tyra made it in. <laughs> yep. She, she came to see Tammy. Uh, and Tammy is really pushing Tyra to push herself so that she can go to college. Uh, but we find out that really nobody in Tyra's family has ever been to college. So this is uncharted territory for a client. Yeah. But uh, Tammy is definitely, she's, she's paving the roads and she's saying, here are the ways that we can do this, you know? Yep. Um, and you know, here's what you could do. You could do this, that, um, I think you could really make it into a junior college and then make your way into a full blown four year university. Tyra. Yeah. Is very unsure. She says, you know, nobody in my family has really made it past high school, let alone like several members of my family only have their GED, which we'll get into a little bit later with uh, some Ma Collette problems and, and some concepts that I've got some real thoughts on. Okay. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so we see Waverly and Smash and Waverly kind of explains that she has bipolar disorder. She never actually went to Africa. Yep. As she claimed on a mission trip, but rather she was, in uh, some sort of uh, mental health facility. Yeah, she called it an outreach program, which seems like a weird thing to call it, but some sort of, I'm going to assume, inpatient program or something along those lines. Um, Smash is visibly freaked out by this. Yeah, Waverly calls him out about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the look on his face is pretty evident that he is... Uh, a little alarmed at this this revelation. Uh, Lila goes to see Buddy. Buddy's living in a hotel, and he is doing some arts and crafts. He is putting together a photo album of the good times of the Garrity family because he saw it on Dr. Phil. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, he saw this idea on, on Dr. Phil. I don't know. I'd really like to see that Dr. Phil episode that he got the inspiration from <laughs> if it was a... Hey, are you recently divorced? Here's a way to get your wife back <laughs> or, or heading towards divorce or what? But, um, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. We're are gonna you see. an adulterer? <laughs> throw some photos together and call it good. We're gonna, we're gonna see how that goes for him. Yeah. Uh, uh I want to point out that, that buddy's 
main concern it seemed like with putting the 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 photo album together to patch things up with Pam was that he's he's just seems really concerned that he can't stay at the hotel anymore. I <laughs> I, I can't stay here anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I think is fair if he's you know not living in his own home. Yeah, that, but also his wife. Right, he's wrong. And- <laughs> he's wrong. But. I understand his I mean, selfish. I understand his selfish emotions that that stem from that. Even though he probably shouldn't be expressing them as openly as he <laughs> yeah with his daughter. expresses all of his uh, selfish emotions. <laughs> he does. He does tell Lila. He says, "Lila, your dad's a sinner. I'm a weak man." <laughs> <laughs> That's buddy. Uh, so we're going to find just how much of a, a sinner and a weak man he is also later in this episode. Some might call Buddy a sleazeball. And <laughs> I'm one are, of those. We are, <laughs> we are those people. We do it every week. Yes. So against the explicit instructions from Bo's mom, Tim is late to pick up Bo. And when he gets there, Bo's getting bullied. He's getting picked on by a bunch of older kids. And Tim threatens violence upon yes. those children. I wrote down this quote yeah. that he says to this yes. fourth yes. grade kid. He comes up and, well, first of all, he says some online lines of like, what's going on here? He kind of breaks it up. And they say, oh, we're just playing. He goes, oh, just playing like four on one. Mm-hmm. And he grabs one of the kids like by his shirt, yeah. pulls him real close face to face he says listen if i ever see you so much or if i ever so much as see you look at this kid the wrong way i'm gonna find you i'm gonna punch a hole in your chest and rip your heart out are we clear yes are you sure yes then get out of here <laughs> yeah tim threatens to go straight Kali ma on yeah <laughs> on these kids however uh Bo, meanwhile yeah is completely unconcerned by the fact that he's bullied because he is <laughs> thrilled that he is being picked up by Tim Riggins after yeah, school. He loved it. He loved the, he loved the experience of being rescued by Tim and Tim picking him up. Uh, he's 100% worth getting shoved around by, <laughs> which I, I, I was, I, I, maybe, you know, or you can tell this if were those kids supposed to be the same age as him because he's like half their height. Yeah. I assumed older, but, but it also seems unreasonable for kids to just I mean kids suck so who knows <laughs> kids do suck that's true yeah the Taylors are talking to Julie about moving to Austin yeah. here's uh <laughs> I just went ahead and transcribed coach's little speech on Austin I'm glad that you did because I didn't coach says fact of the matter is we did think about you Austin is an arty kind of town you're arty it's arty. It's a good match. And there's a lot of culture in Austin. There's a lot of dance. You love dance. There's a hell of a lot of dance. There's dancing all over Austin. There's an Austin dance troupe. Tell her. Tell her about all of it. <laughs> so that's Coach making a making a case for Austin to Julie. And then uh, Mrs. Coach says, there's lots of different kinds of dancing, honey, and they've got a beautiful ballet. <laughs> Coach says, no, they have an excellent ballet there. That's yeah. what they've got. They've got some top-notch balleters <laughs> so coach very eloquently uh trying to convince julie that it's got a lot of culture got a lot going on she would actually love austin meanwhile 
we see, or shortly thereafter, we see Saracen. He's kind of in Goofus Malufus mode. <laughs> yes, he is. He's working at the Alamo Freeze. He is stressing mm-hmm. about the upcoming game because he just thinks he doesn't he doesn't have what it takes to to win the game and it's the semifinals and Landry and Julia are there kind of giving him a, a pep talk. Yeah. Trying to trying to speak a little confidence into Matt uh, right there at the Alamo freeze. We get Jason and tattoo girl driving to Dylan and she's talking about why she just doesn't understand why he doesn't just leave Dylan. He's well, cause he's telling her the story about how, well, now basically the whole town hates me because I'm suing the coach. Right. And yeah, so she says, I don't know why you don't just leave. And he's like, leave. This is all I got. Yeah. And they kind of have that conversation. The tattoo girl suggests, hey, have you ever been to Stonehenge too? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember how she made that kind of transition or proposal, but. They're going to Stonehenge. It wasn't it wasn't very natural. Um, and the IMDb trivia tells me that Stonehenge Two is in Ingram, Texas. Oh, okay. For those so keeping now score at home. to figure out where Dylan is, we mm. search Austin, and we get directions to Ingram, Texas, and then we just extend the line, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, I'm doing it. Ingram is two hours straight west of Austin, like as west as you can go. Oh, yeah. Which is 116 miles. So we extend that out. I'm going to go with, let's see, maybe Junction, Texas would be kind of the area of Dillon or Rock Springs. Is the nearest major city still Austin then, presumably? That's not far enough, though. We got to go farther. Sonora, Texas is... 196 miles straight west of Austin with Ingram in between. En route. Okay. Uh, mm, mm. Well, here's the thing though. Here's the thing about Ingram is it seems like it isn't on the way, but it's not a small detour. Right? Like, cause the way you suggested, it sounds like it isn't something that's directly on the way. You're right. You're right. So anyway, we're getting closer to pinpointing approximately. Can I just say something that I really appreciate and I want to make sure you don't cut this? Yep. I'm really proud of how our chemistry has worked out on this show that it seems like when I don't write down a quote, you do. And when you don't write (laughs) down a quote, I do. It's true. It really does have really worked out for us. (laughs) It has. I've also noticed that. That is good. All right. So they're on their way to Stonehenge too. Ma Collette is not very happy about Tammy pushing Tyra towards college. She is in the off in Tammy's office. Tammy called her in. Tammy wants to, you know, kind of team up, kind of double team the situation. Yeah, say, hey, you know, push her. Yeah, but uh, Ma Collette is visibly skeptical of this whole situation. Yeah, she isn't feeling it. Then we we cut to the Collette household, and Tyra is trying to study. Macalette's trying to like spread rumors, basically. Yeah. <laughs> she's trying to have some of that small town uh, drama. I felt like she was straight up trying to kind of sabotage Tyra's study time. Yeah, you know, 
And then the TV's on, and who other than Mr. Buddy Garrity himself, his commercial for Garrity Motors comes a on the TV. Weirdly long feeling commercial, right? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> like, especially for a local commercial, yeah. it seems to go on because, like, it's like she's watching the TV, it comes on in this kind of like wide shot with the TV in the background. Yeah. And then, like, we zoom in on the TV, and it just seems to be going and going and going. And, like, as I'm taking notes, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I I felt like I was way too caught up on notes for for this commercial to still be going on. Yeah. But commercial comes on. Ma Collette is visibly upset. She suggests that she and Tyra... Uh, go pick up Becky from the landing strip and they have a girl's day. It's hard to tell what time of day it is. It seems like it's too late to call it a girl's day. (laughs) They're talking about going to get manicures and stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to assume that if it's a a weekday and they're picking up Becky from the strip club, it's got to be into the evening, right? At least 8 p.m. Yeah. And it seems like it's like dark outside. Yeah. And so we're talking late in the football season. So it's probably like October. Yeah. I'm not sure what time it is. I do want to, I, I thought it was a nice touch to have on the commercial that the three pillars of Garrity Motors were something like honesty, integrity, and trust yeah. <laughs> or something like that, uh, which was obviously offensive to Ma Collette uh, after their little liaison and parting of ways we're back at so now jason and tattoo girl are at stonehenge too and she's laying on the moves yeah she is is putting the mac on street reveals that lila cheated yeah um tensions are pretty high Uh and they kiss they do she definitely made that happen. I mean, it's not like Street was resisting it at all. But right. She knew but, what she was doing. Yeah. And so they're basically making out on like this stone altar of <laughs> Stonehenge too. Coach and Julie, I, I don't think we knew about this before, but they're going to a father-daughter dance. Yes. And neither one of them really wants to go. No, yeah. Coach doesn't want to go because... That's not really his scene. (laughs) Julie doesn't want to go because she's pissed at coach. Yeah. And Tammy is very insistent that actually, yes, they are going to the father daughter dance. And here's her, here's her quote. No, y'all are going to the father daughter dance. I'm going to pull out my camera. I'm going to take a picture of both of you. You're going to look real happy and I'm going to cherish it for the rest of my life. So stop being a pain in the ass and make me happy for once. (laughs) Uh, And in the midst of this, Tyra shows up for a tutoring session. I assume with Tammy. Yes, correct. And we'll, we'll come back to that in just a moment. I've got some, I had a real few chuckles about that scene. (laughs) Yeah. We cut back to um, Tim in the driveway of the neighbor's home yeah, or the front yard. And he's teaching Bo how to punch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Bo's mom pulls up. She says, what's going on here? <laughs> Bo has what is my choice for quarter of the week. I think, yeah, that's good. He says, Tim Riggins is teaching me how to kick some serious ass. <laughs> she, Bo's mom is upset. She <laughs> reveals that she's a pacifist. Yeah. But once Tim kind of explains himself, she allows it. Yeah. She she compromises on the whole pacifism thing pretty quick. <laughs> because Tim makes it pretty clear what's yeah. going on. And yeah. It's fine for her to be a pacifist, but for a fourth grader or whatever, like that's, he's going to get the crap kicked out of him, basically. There's a great line in there, too, where he says, or where she asks, like, were you bullied like this in the fourth grade? And Tim says, I was the bully. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah, so she lets them finish the lesson, and then she invites Tim to come on back later tonight. They're going to watch Back to the Future. Yes. If you love Back to the Future, go and check out so much movies. Uh, one of their recent episodes, Back to the Future. Yes. Jordan and Tyler, friends of the show. So we come back to Coach and Tammy with Tyra's over. Coach is absolutely beaming about his chili <laughs> while Tammy is not impressed. <laughs> Ma Colette shows up. She's pretty upset. She's like, no, we got to get out of here. There's a great exchange because coach is still just, he's like, are you sure you guys want to leave? Uh, <laughs> I got this great chili. And as he's saying that <laughs> Tammy says, very mediocre chili. <laughs> an absolutely perfectly timed bit it's i got such a chuckle out of it i laughed out loud and just like are you sure you want to leave i got this great chili very mediocre chili (laughs) i wrote down a different quote about the chili uh coach is really putting the pressure on tyra to eat some chili and he says do you like your chili spicy lady do you like it spicy i'm gonna get you some spicy chili (laughs) And basically, we find out he he got an award for this chili, but it was for the <laughs> was most part like a, a participation like the award booty for award or something yeah, like booty that. Award for <laughs> booty, yeah, I don't know. For basically for a newcomer, like good yeah. effort, buddy. <laughs> it's award winning chili. It did not win an award. It won an award at Dylan Days. <laughs> so one time at a church that I worked for, we had a chili cook off and. I basically entered a joke chili entry that was like cans of Hormel chili dumped several jars of jalapenos and uh, hot sauce, like bottles of hot sauce in it and just tried to make it as spicy as possible, mixed it all up. And I won that sucker. I won the whole thing and uh, won a ladle that I still have to this day. And the pastor, Pastor Keith, he was very upset with me because he would be he would be uh, a coach Taylor, and like that would have been the crowning achievement for him to win that. But I cheated because I used Hormel chili. <laughs> he didn't even cheat did a bit. <laughs> he can't be mad at you. I know it was. It's the judge's fault. All right, so Tim and Bo and Bo's mom have been watching back to the future and 
seems like it's pretty early on in the movie that they fall asleep, right? <laughs> uh that that could be the end, couldn't it? Where they're trying to oh yeah, I guess to, trying to get time the lightning strike and the right clock. I guess and, yeah, I took it as maybe like really early on when they're first time traveling, and I was like, <laughs> they've already they didn't make it very far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I assumed it was towards the end, but uh, we might have to go to. Uh, so much movies for the official call on that since they recently did the podcast. Uh, But both mom and Bo are asleep on either of Tim's shoulders. Oh, 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 sorry. Can we cut back? I didn't, we didn't get to Ma Colette like insisting that they leave. And I've got a, a that's where, that's where my commentary really comes in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Let's cut this back. Um, Anyway, regarding the chili. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Ma Colette shows up and she's like, no, we, we got to leave. I, I actually, she says something like, we're, we're a normal family and I have, I made dinner as well. And so we, we can't stay um, yeah. and have dinner here. Um, and Ma Colette, you know, they leave and as they're walking out to the truck, Macolette makes some comments that I think are really, I think this is a really important episode regarding um, perpetual poverty in the U S yeah. Um, this uh, she kind of tells her like, you know, that lady's trying to fill your head with dreams and, you know, make you think that you're special, but you're not. And if you think you're, you know, I made it just fine and I don't have a, you know, all this stuff. And, and I think it's very, very telling. I think it's, I think it's important. I think it's really important for this to be portrayed way more than it is Mm -hmm. in, um, in American media, because one thing I've had a really hard time trying to explain, we can, (laughs) we can have our, weekly Anthony gets political (laughs) (laughs) moment of the week. But like, I feel like I've had conversations with people who are on the other side of the aisle than I am politically Mm -hmm. for the most part, who I have tried to explain, like, listen, yes, like hard work can get you a lot of places, but I don't think that a lot of people who come from a place of privilege, myself included, Mm-hmm. really and truly understand that when you come from poverty, not only is it hard work, but it's also in a lot of cases, as Ma Colette shows, escaping from people who are your family and are your friends and are everything that you have basically telling you, why do you think you're better than us? If you, if you're going to continue down this path and, and think that you're better than us, we will abandon you and we are all that you have. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's so important to portray that characteristic in media because I don't think that people that come from a place of privilege truly understand what that does to someone's self-esteem. Yeah. And, f- you know, for, for Ma Colette, she is taking it as almost an, an insult, mm-hmm. a, a personal affront to her that, I haven't been enough, you know, um, 
what what I've done for you is not good enough. Who I am has not been good enough. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from, you know, deep-seated shame for only, you know, for having not risen to where she had hoped one, you know, back in the day that she mm-hmm. hoped she would be and stuff like that. So it's a cycle of shame. It's a cycle of um, kind of perpetuating that that poverty from generation to generation uh even though you know if you really got down to it i'm sure ma colette wants the world for for tyra but in that moment you know it seems like an insult to her personally exactly for tyra to want more than what she had exactly and yeah i i think there's like i said i think that there's such a disconnect in american society and I think especially like, you know, you don't see this kind of characteristic portrayed in media. And I think it's so people don't understand it. If you people think that if you just work hard, like you can have all this figured out, but there's so many more, there's so much more nuance to it. And, and yeah, I don't, I, I really truly think that people, there's so many people that have no idea that this kind of, these kind of conversations happen every day. Yeah. Yeah. Because not only is it, all the outside circumstances that are holding you down and holding you in your place, you know, because if you think about it, this goes, man, there's so many layers. I don't even know where to start, but right. And I I don't want to go like, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent and, and get too political, but I I do really think I I actually paused it when this episode was going on. I, I told Angie, I was like, this is such like, this is one of the, for me, like this is why this show is so great. Yeah, because it, it portrays stuff like this, and and like I said, it's so something that that so many of us, you and I, I know for sure, will never understand. And I'm not saying like I grew up for sure lower middle class, like I was raised by a single mother, yeah, um, who sacrificed so much. Like I think about that every day, like especially lately, like because I think about I'm 32. Like when my mom was my age, she had a 10 year old kid. And was probably making roughly, even with inflation, like what I'm making now. Yeah. And I think like if I had a kid right now and I've got Angie's income, like, you know, if we were to have a child together, mm-hmm. but it's like, that's so much money. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, like it's like, I, I love my mom and I thank her so much and I probably don't tell her enough how much I appreciate what she sacrificed for me. But like man, like I couldn't do it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so like, what I'm saying is like, I don't come from a place of, of wealth, but I do come from a place of, of considerable privilege. And mm-hmm. to that point, like, even though I didn't grow up in wealth, I will still never understand what that level of, of poverty truly is like. Yeah. And this is that, I mean, here's like the tiniest the tiniest example of privilege that that made a huge difference in my life but so my family definitely middle class i never knew it but according to my parents or my dad uh apparently he farmed he never he said we basically never turned a profit till you were out of high school on the farm or something like that so my mom teaches but anyway I was never wanting for anything, but my mom was an educator and she knew how to fill out scholarship forms. And so like this situation for Tyra, 
my mom had me writing essays and filling out forms and getting all this basically free money that's out there because she knew the system. Whereas, you know, this is a major hurdle for, for Tyra, just the financial aspect of things, but she doesn't have a mom, you know, like the simple thing of like write an essay and fill out a form and you can make thousands of dollars (laughs) Uh, right. You know, by taking 40 minutes to sit down and fill this out, you know, so just stuff like that. There's so much stacked against people that we don't realize. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And so I think that's why this episode or just even that scene is, I think, extremely important. And, and one of those reasons that I, I really love this show that it's so, yep. it's such a realistic portrayal of something that you don't see on everyday television yeah yeah really good all right so after we we have makala and tyra um kind of arguing about tyra's future we see tim at Bo Bo's house watching back to the future he has got Bo and Bo's mom snoozing on either shoulder with the sleep which in a in a scene in the movie that may or may not be very early on <laughs> we're gonna have to get in touch with the so much movies boys for that uh, yeah i, I maintain that, that it is towards the end of the movie but it's hard to tell with back to the future i think it would make sense aspect but it would make sense that it's um that it would be earlier or later in the movie but i did have kind of a moment because we talked about how kind of the reason that the show survived beyond season two is that it's pretty affordable to to film and I thought about like, man, they must have had to pay out the ear to <laughs> yeah. get the, the Back to the Future. Then I was like, NBC Universal, oh, Universal. They probably were able to get those rights for boom, free yeah. or close to free. Yeah, good thought. So they're both conked out. They're snoozing. Tim carries Bo to bed, and. Bo's mom, it seems very grateful, you know. Oh, she for, sees it. Yeah, for all Tim has done. She gets a little look, but, you know, she expresses her gratitude to Tim. And then Tim apparently makes a move. Yeah. I was going to say he misreads the situation, but I think that's up for debate. I don't know that he necessarily misread the situation. I will flat out say he did not misread the situation. <laughs> yeah. Because... But- he makes a move, he kisses her, and it lasts for long enough for me to know that she yeah. kisses back for at least a fraction of a second. Yeah. But she kind of freaks out on Tim, like, whoa, you are a child, basically. Yeah. This is not okay. Which, yeah, that is true. Tim She's is a correct. child. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she shuts it down. Tim apologizes. He goes home. And then we shortly thereafter see Lila showing up to Street's house. Uh, she says, Hey, I I tried to call. I had to finally ask your parents, like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And Street's taken down his trophies. He doesn't want them anymore. Um, he's pretty distraught about not making the team. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then he does tell Lila about getting uh, a ride from the tattoo girl. Lila is upset. She goes back into basically the same mode that she was in last weekend. Uh, (laughs) Do you love her? 
Yeah, very suspect. And she says, all right, let's just be really, really honest with each other right now. Uh, Do you want to be engaged to me? And Jason's response is, I don't know. So things are not left at a very good point right there. Uh, I have an outdated pop culture reference. Yes. So as Tim is pulling down his football trophies and all that, there's a bookshelf in the background. And on that bookshelf, as would be in many church-going homes of the early 2000s, a book from the Left Behind series on the bookshelf. The Mark, which is one of the the later in the series. I thought maybe it was going to be The Purpose Driven Life. (laughs) (laughs) No, that would be same era. Uh, no, but Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins, their, their end times Christian novels. Uh, yeah, the Mark was there, which I read all of them. Not good theology. I don't believe in their (laughs) account of what, uh, the end times might look like, but, uh, not, not a bad read for a seventh grader back in the day. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you so, ever see the, the left behind remake with Nicholas cage? The second no, one I got made. Oh, I got to see that. That would, that would be worth checking. I out. might, I might have to make a, a mission out of that tomorrow. How does I've it, got Angie's out of town. So I'm going to make a, a kind of a day of it. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. I think I'm going to have Casey's taco pizza because nice. she doesn't like it. So Ooh. that's like my, that's my grail food when Angie's uh, not around is <laughs> yep. Casey's taco pizza. I think I'm going to have that. I'm going to watch uh, Left Behind with Nicolas Cage <laughs> if I can find it for, for How does Nick Cage even get that part? Why is he in that movie? It's got to be like, I think the theory about Nicolas Cage, and I don't know how much truth there is to this, is that like he is like behind on his taxes or something. So he'll basically take almost any role if it'll pay him like X amount. Okay. So he like, I mean, he's done some weird out there stuff, but I think also like he's got an artistic vision. Like, Uh I think he's like an artistic guy deep down. So I think that, I think that maybe he, he was like, Oh, left behind. Like I could get real weird with this. (laughs) So I don't know for sure, but yeah, well, take a, take a watch and update us next week on what you feel like Nick Cage's uh, motivations for taking that role. Were. I will, I will update as soon as possible. I can't promise if there's not a, a version I can find for free. Like if it's not serving, if it's not streaming on a like reputable website, I probably won't try to find it, but fair enough. I'll get uh, back to you. On maybe that. we could crowdfund the $4 it takes to, <laughs> <laughs> to rent it on voodoo yeah. or whatever. Well, I'll consider that. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Let me know. I'll set up the GoFundMe, but thank you. <laughs> so buddy shows up back at the Garrity household. He's got a suit on. He's very smiley and positive. Yeah. He, he basically like Pam opens the door and sees buddy and buddy like has like a Beetlejuice moment where he's like, here I am baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, and she is not having it. She's like, please go away. Yeah. Buddy, this isn't it. Uh, he presents her with the, <laughs> the, the Dr. Phil photo album. <laughs> she is not impressed. <laughs> no. Well, she, I feel like she like, she does look at it for a moment 
And then she's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> what are we what are we talking about here? Um, Lila comes downstairs and it, it she's defending Buddy a little bit. I got to imagine she's identifying with Buddy to a certain extent. Absolutely. You she know, is. Um, and she says it's just one mistake is what she says to her mom. And then old Pammy lets her know, uh, no, it hasn't just been one mistake. It's been over and over again throughout the but, years well because also is i don't remember if this was in the earlier episode or earlier in the episode when lila talks to um yeah it is um we didn't cover this but i do want to talk about mm-hmm. it that when lila goes to talk to street she also is like she says something along the lines of like regarding tattoo girl she's like oh is it just because I cheated that you think that you can cheat because it's not like that Tim or Jason. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, are you really trying to take the moral high ground right now? Lila? Because (laughs) pick your spots. Yeah. And this is not your spot. If you're trying to say, yeah, I cheated, but that doesn't mean you can cheat too, which is basically exactly what she says. Like says, you are <laughs> not picking the right spot. I mean, technically true, yes. Right, but you... <laughs> that's not where you want to go. Don't no. take this there. Yeah, that's not in your best interest to bring <laughs> bring up your own infidelity. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think it's a bad call in general to pull the, like, you know, kind of a do as I say, not as I do, almost. Yeah, like sure. not quite, but like, boy, she really, yeah. It was a very when I heard her say that, I was like, oh no, Lila, <laughs> yikes, yeah. Uh, but we do, yeah. In that in that exchange, we do find out that this probably isn't Buddy's first marital indiscretion. No, um, Pam lists. A number of adulterous buddy moments over the years. And so, as it turns out, Buddy has been uh, pretty active sexually with, he he is a a sinner and a weak man and has been for a number of years with, like, and she lists, like, she was like, and my secretary or something like that, or like one of her coworkers, which is like, yeah, Buddy is. Oof. Would you say, I mean, would you say he's a sleazeball? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> we can't say for sure. I wouldn't hesitate to use the word sleazeball. He's trending towards asking. sleazeball. <laughs> Coach is getting all ready for the father-daughter dance. And Tammy says she doesn't think that. And they're, yeah, they're kind of talking about the whole Julie not wanting to go to Austin and all that situation. And Tammy says she doesn't think Julie is upset because of Dylan or because of Austin or, you know, she's not mad at coach. It's because she's in love. Mm-hmm. Matt Saracen. Matt Saracen. Jason's trying to buy beer at the convenience store. This is a great scene. Yeah. The, the guy won't sell it to him. Uh, not because he's a cripple. Yeah, street tries, to, street tries to play the what because I'm a cripple card, which is, listen, not going to get any sympathy <laughs> from anybody. 
when you were QB1 three months ago. But while this is all happening, Tim Riggins walks in, yeah, witnesses the whole exchange, <laughs> um, buys, grabs two more 12 packs, yep. throws Street's 12 pack on, on the ticket. Yeah. The convenience store clerk says, Do you have an ID? He shows him an ID that is obviously fake. <laughs> the convenience store clerk says, Thank you for your business. Corporal Riggins or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously knows that it's Tim Riggins of yeah. the Dylan Panthers. Which but. is funny to me that like, okay, what's your theory on this? Do you think that Tim Riggins just showed his own ID because you would he not change his own name? Or do you think that he went <laughs> the entire other way with it and got some sort of military ID, fake military? Like, if you're getting a fake ID, I think that the I think the best way to go with it is as simple as possible, right? Like you know, <laughs> yeah, go the military route. Don't go the military route. And of course, it's like he's probably not going anywhere outside of, outside of Dylan, but like if you're gonna get a fake ID, just go as simple as possible. Like literally <laughs> select your own name. Select your own birthday, but like four years in advance, right? I don't know. I never had a fake idea. I, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I also don't really understand. This guy knows who Tim Riggins is. If he's going to sell Tim Riggins right. the beer, why doesn't he just sell Jason Street the beer? Right? Is he just it literally a, is because think, he's a cripple? I think <laughs> like he's well, not on the football no, team. I, I think it's because he's not on the football team, and I think. I think if street wouldn't have been there, he wouldn't have asked for the ID. I think it was a little bit of security theater, but then where does the corporal or the captain or whatever it is come into play? Like, that's what I'm confused about is he, I don't think he would have carded street or maybe it was, I think it might've been a little bit of like, Oh, football player comes in. We ask him for their ID. We, you know, BS it. But either way, um, Rickens buys 36 beers. <laughs> yep. And uh, they head outside where Smash and Matt are waiting in the car. And they're, they're having trying... a little friendly argument, it seems like. <laughs> what are they arguing about? I don't, I, I, I don't know. I just, it seemed. It seemed like a friendly conflict. Is I don't remember exactly what the words that were said. Gotcha. But, um, but they they see Street walk out or roll out of the convenience store, and this is another. I've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it again. But we see just with the presence of Smash, how much more confident Matt Saracen becomes. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It really is, but it's so like it's got now that I'm watching it this time, it makes me realize like this is intentional. Yeah. Like he's he is actually becoming more confident around Smash, and it's a great consistent bit isn't the right word, but it's a uh it's such a great consistent moment. Yeah, so they're they're uh they're trying to get street to come with them, go drink with them basically. And, uh, I wrote this down cause I noticed the same thing that you did smash says, Hey, come on, you should come with us. And Saracen's like, 
Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. He. Yeah, man. <laughs> I noticed it too. I didn't write it down, but I did notice that he kind of dips into a little bit of AAVE. Just, just a, a touch. Yeah. But <laughs> you can see that that confidence that Smash gives him. And I love it. I will absolutely love my, so far, my favorite thing about this rewatch is witnessing the Smash and, and Matt bromance and how much confidence it brings out in Matt. He loves being around Smash, it seems. So they go to the football field. Okay. So beer tally here. Tim is running around with a whiskey bottle in his hand. Yeah, which I don't know where he got a hold of that. <laughs> but he is like running like running around and just tipping back straight whiskey. <laughs> so I don't know what we do with that. Uh you know, does, I what I wrote I wrote down beer tally and I only did one chicken scratch, but I did note below it that Tim is also drinking out of a whiskey bottle. Yes. He definitely had one beer in his hand during this scene also drinking out of the whiskey bottle we decided what what was it a couple weeks ago that the 40 he was drinking was probably beer and so we counted well no the the 40 the 40 that he was yeah what we came up with was the 40 that he was drinking was likely malt liquor which is stronger than beer so what we decided was beer marked up plus 40 ounces equaled four beers yes that's right so what do we want to do with this whiskey? That's a good question. It's very obviously more than one. We do see him take a pull out of the whiskey bottle. So, okay. So what? One pull equals one beer? <sighs> Alcohol wise? I, I guess. Like, it's this is probably the toughest situation we've ever been in with the Riggins beer tally because... It's tough, yeah. A, he's drinking liquor. B, as we find out shortly, he's up all night. Yeah. So you kind of got to go implied versus, you know, what whiskey equals versus. Right. Working with um, equivalencies. We're working with implications. Yeah. We see him buy 36 beers. Right. For four people. But also, we don't even know where this whiskey bottle came from, but he's got it. (laughs) I mean, I think the assumption is if you're drinking on the football field all night, you're not leaving any evidence of it. Yeah, that's true. So almost all of it has to be gone. If not, all of it has to be gone by the next morning. So where we land is, is tough. I'm willing to say with implications along with at least one missed beer last episode, because he woke up hungover. I think it's only fair to call it five or six. I was going to say, let's just, let's just call it, Let's just call it six. You know, that that's a nice, we're at 36 already. So it's nice to keep your beers divisible by six. That makes sense to me. So, and I think that's, that's a conservative estimate, right? Like, absolutely. Not, not only a conservative estimate for this episode, but a conservative estimate for this series thus far, because we have been, we've been conservative this is the first time we've not been conservative about the big rig beer tally. The, yeah, you're right. Period. Okay, good. I so feel like that. we thought that through. We used all the evidence available to us and we made a good estimate. So I feel very confident with it and I'm going to lock that in. 
that that is six beers right there on the football field that night. Agreed. All right, so the guys are drinking on the football field. Tim has drank that approximately the equivalent of six beers. Yes. Saracen is very nervous about the whole thing. Yeah, Saracen is is in goofus malufus mode for sure. <laughs> yeah. They um they all kind of have a discussion about their own lady problems. Yeah. Smash being probably the biggest bummer of the the four. Yeah, crazy wavy. He refers to his girlfriend yeah. as. They ask, they ask, I don't know if you wrote this down or how much detail you have, but they ask him like how he's dealing with it, and he's like screening calls, <laughs> like avoiding her, all this stuff, and it's like, geez, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, yeah. that's not good, Smash. But. <laughs> Tim, in one of my submissions for quote of the week, says, what, we comparing girl problems now? I just tried to make out with my next door neighbor who is at least in her mid-30s. Pretty much got put through the wall for that one, so I think I win. (laughs) But Saracen is freaking out about the upcoming game. And so Jason Street goes into coach mode and kind of coaches him to, to a bit of confidence. He tells him they're running routes and stuff, and he tells Matt to throw an 18-yard deep out. And Saracen's like, oh, that's, that's an impossible route. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. Most college quarterbacks yeah. couldn't do that. Jason kind of walks him through it, and um, Saracen ends up hitting it, and it's big, big confidence boost there for Matty. Yeah, he has a moment where he's like, I did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, coach is talking to Julie. In the car, outside the dance, about moving, has a little father-daughter moment that coaches want to do. And Julie kind of opens up about it and says, basically, that she finally feels like she's home, you know, in the midst of all the moving. Yeah, she says, childhood. like, uh, we moved so much, and, and when we moved to Dylan, I hated it, but... um For the first time ever, I feel like I was home. It was a pretty, like, it was pretty nice... Nice moment from Julie. And yeah, something we we can actually appreciate from <laughs> from Julie. I think we might find her in the negatives this week in the hate meter. Yeah, yeah. She turned it around a little this week. Makala and Tyra, I, I think they're at Applebee's, which yes, is kind of that's kind of the Colette stomping grounds. Uh they're fighting at Applebee's and kind of arguing about the whole situation with college and coach, uh, Miss Coach and all that. Yeah, they have kind of a moment where she's, well, like, Ma Collette is, like, borderline manic. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you can get up whatever you want. I got so much money from Buddy, uh, you know, paying me uh, severance. So you can get whatever you want. I think I'm going to get ribs. And Tyra's like, Mom, stop. And she's like, oh, you don't think I should get ribs? <laughs> and Tyra's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. But, yeah, she kind of is like... You know, I want to talk about. Um, I do want to go to college, and I can't do it without you. And or is that when they're driving? Yeah. Well, they see people talking, like kind of looking at yeah. them, and talking about them in Applebee's. Yeah. Because the word, you know, the word is as if it wasn't already. The word is out about the Colette family after her little stunt with uh, Buddy. Right. Because that's when Ma Colette is like, I can't be here with all these dads and their daughters and their you know uh 
yeah. corsages and all that <laughs> stuff. Right. So she's like, they leave. And I think maybe that's when they're in the, the pickup and, yeah. and Tyra is telling her like, I do want to go to college, um, but I can't do it without you. Um, my Colette does a dangerous, <laughs> like she just cranks the wheel. Wanna, I, now we've talked about this before, but it's been a while since I've done a rewatch of the show. And with the flat tire that happened not too long ago, I was like, Makalette is going to get them in an accident on purpose. Like I was really worried about Makalette and Tyra. I thought they were going to flip the pickup, but (laughs) just flinging them into oncoming traffic or something. Fortunately, Makalette does a pretty controlled 180 (laughs) and turns them around and they they drive back and they go to the father daughter dance. Yep. Tyra kind of has a moment where they're like, she's like, "What are we doing here?" And she's like, "You know what we're doing here." Um, and I think it's kind of a nice moment for Makala. Absolutely, yeah. To show, hey, you know, I've kind of been your mother and your father, so she's she's playing both roles and kind of going beyond symbolic with it. Yep. Yep. Which was nice. Meanwhile. Lila is at Buddy's dealership. Yes. For some reason. We don't know why. But Well, she, we find out why. <laughs> yeah, she's ready to tear shit up, basically. <laughs> so she gets in a she gets in a car and she just starts ramming cars on the lot, backing into things, slamming into things, and then puts the car through the giant glass yeah. door, showroom doors of the dealership. She does several thousand dollars worth of damage yeah for sure easily uh the guys are passed out on the football field yeah. as the sun the comes morning. up uh at least matt and smash are and then yeah. jason and tim kind of make up kind of bury the hatchet yeah they decide uh friends and friends they're, they're, they're gonna be bros again so they do a texas forever <laughs> tim gets home he apologizes to bo's mom she he starts to walk away she stops him yeah things start to get pretty hot and heavy yeah she after. she goes ahead and proceeds to commit a felony <laughs> no i i don't know what the age of consent in, is in 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 texas but like oh. in south dakota it's 16 so oh for real probably she's in the clear yeah and yeah, you got to assume Texas is as lax or yeah. more than South Dakota. Although South Dakota is pretty much the Wild West in everything. Uh, but I just looked it up. The age of consent in Texas is 17. So Tim is oh, 17. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. I, 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 he might be 16, but you got to feel like Tim is probably old for his grade, if not held back a year. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's the, the implication. Sure. So, okay, it's not a felony, but it is still questionable. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, they hook up, and then our episode ends with uh, Coach talking to TMU on the phone, and he lets Tammy and Julie know that he needs some more time to decide, and his family needs some time to yes. decide. So that's where we leave things with the episode. We'll take a little break here, and we'll be right back.
I think we're going to go ahead and get right into our awards um, for this episode. If we need to dip into a few characters along the way, that that is totally fine. Uh, but as always, we're going to start with the Coach Taylor Inspo rating. Uh, how are you feeling about Coach this week? I feel like it's an, there was zero football, like not even practice, right, this week? Correct. There is... Um, no football games, no football practice. So there's not a lot for coach to do. However, I, I do have to say him not only taking in Julie's input, but also like, I mean, basically given TMU the old, we'll see. Yeah. Is uh, not the call that I would have made, but it is a, a pretty inspirational thing for him to actually take that input from his daughter and put his dream job on the line. Yeah. Yeah. He had some nice, you know, kind of father daughter talks and stuff like that and makes that pretty selfless decision. So despite there not being football, I still feel like he does a pretty decent job of inspiring. You know, last week we gave him a two, there wasn't much football and he didn't have a lot to do. So, you know, I think with this episode, I'm willing to go maybe a four or a five. I was going to say five. Yeah. So, all right. So then we will give coach a five, just a, just pretty good dad. Just pretty good dad this week. And we appreciate that about coach. Julie Taylor. We've had a few weeks now where she's had a little bit of a downturn with being a little more hateable. Um, <laughs> yeah. How, how did Julie do this week? I feel like she turned it around a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I could go both ways with Julie on this one because I feel like under a lot of other parents that aren't coach and Mrs. Coach, her demeanor towards them considering moving would not have been handled with as much respect as it was. Yeah. With that being said, I think that I do feel some sympathy for her mm-hmm. because as you Absolutely. know during her speech she definitely made it clear that she finally feels like she's in a place that she belongs even though it it wasn't where she would have expected it to. So, I think between those two things I'm just going to call it even and and say a zero because I don't hate her but I don't love her. Yeah, I think I, just because she was in a very hard situation with having to move when she has friends and, you know, Matt Saracen, whom she, whom she loves, uh, I think she handles the whole situation pretty admirably. You know, she doesn't, uh, she's not crazy about it, but I think she expresses her concerns in a pretty fair way. So if you put her at a neutral, I was going to put her at like a negative two. Um, cause I thought that was pretty admirable for a 15 year old to handle that situation. So are you good with, uh, settling in the middle on a negative one? I'm all right with a negative one. Okay. All right. Our big rig beer tally. We said we settled on six, right? Yeah. Controversial take, but we're going to call it a six, six. I think, right. I think it's only fair with, the previous implied beers that we didn't count and yeah. in this case being whiskey and 
in this case, him buying 36 beers for what turned out to be four people and presumably all of them were uh, were taken down. So I think it's still a conservative estimate to say six beers. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you divide 36 by four, you get nine. And you know Matt Saracen's not drinking nine beers. No. We see Matt Saracen like hesitantly take a sip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which I'm not convinced he finished that beer. I've been in that position before <laughs> uh, when I was uh, basically his age. So, yep. So six is fair. That puts us at 42 for the season. So that's our big rig beer tally for the week. All right. So our buddy Garrity sleazeball move of the week. We, we got choices again. <laughs> you know, we've got the whole uh, Dr. Phil photo album thing. Which isn't necessarily sleazy, but it's pretty stupid, I'd say. Um, I think the fact that, I mean, the reveal <laughs> that he's been uh, yeah. cheating on Pam for decades. <laughs> <laughs> right. Most of their marriage, it seems. Yep. That, that's got to be it. So it's, it's sort of retroactive because that happened in the past, but. I think we've got a Alamo Freeze presents the Matt Saracen Oshucks Goofus Malufus moment of the week this week. My nomination for that is <laughs> when they're trying to convince Street to go drink with them and Smash is encouraging uh, Street to do so and Matt Saracen chips in with a, yeah, man. <laughs> um, I was going to choose the Oh, we, we can't be out on the field drinking beers. Oh, yeah. Um, moment in him. Like, because Rick, Rick Rosenest and is does the big like announcement over the loudspeakers. And Saracen is just like, oh, we can't, we can't, I can't have a beer on the field. That's not uh, <laughs> like he's to me, that's full goofus malufus mode. You're you're absolutely right. And he he actually, let's see. He said <laughs> he says, uh, I've got enough going on. I don't need another problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which he does, but <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good call. Yeah. Saracen freaking out about drinking on the field, which admittedly is a risky behavior for sure. But, uh, the outdated pop culture reference of the week, I would give to the, the Mark from the left behind series by Tim LaHaye yes. and Jerry B. Jenkins for sure. <laughs> on for the, sure, for on sure. the bookshelf. That brings us to our quote of the episode. What are our nominations this week? I think I might only have one written down. Well, no, I've got two. Okay. So my nominations are, let me sure that I have any more. Number one from Tim Riggins, which is to a child. <laughs> If I ever so much see so much to see you look at this kid the wrong way, I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna punch a hole in your chest. I'm gonna rip your heart out. Are we clear? Are you sure? Then get out of here. Yeah. Uh, straight temple of doom on him. <laughs> and then of course good. my number two and my pick for core of the week from Bo. Tim Riggins is teaching me how to kick some serious ass. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that one down too. Uh, <clears throat> I I really liked Coach Taylor trying to sell Tyra his his spicy chili. 
Do you like your chili spicy, lady? Do you like it? I'm going to get you some spicy chili. <laughs> I did love the that entire like conversation, especially as I pointed out earlier, the uh, as Coach is talking about how great his chili is, uh, Mrs. Coach cutting in and saying, it's very mediocre chili. Um, I love that whole exchange, but it's hard to really encapsulate it into one quote. Like yeah. it's, it is a wonderful scene and I want it to be acknowledged because it is great. Yes. But, um, no, I'm with you. I think we got to go with Tim Riggins is teaching me how to kick some serious ass. For sure. For sure. I like that. All right. Since we have our quote of the week nailed down, that leaves us with just our episode rating for this week. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about this episode, but I'm curious what you're you're thinking. I'm in the same boat. I'm going to call it a strong eight to a light nine. Yep. It wasn't quite as good as last week, but very, very good. Better than most. So uh, I'm going to mark it down as an eight. We got... uh, as I look at the IMDb, we've had some strong episodes, but I see Mud Bowl coming up. And honestly, spoiler I, alert, that's that's a 10. That's a 10. <laughs> when I think about Friday Night Lights, that's maybe the first episode I think of. Yeah. It's Mud Bowl. So I'm excited to, to get after that next week. Uh, that's the, is that the next episode? I believe so. Oh boy, yeah, we got a yep uh, a real a real banger coming up. Look for our first two hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look out. Good stuff. We are nearing the end of the season. We've got some great episodes in store. We've got some guests in store. Uh, really, things are things are picking up. If you've hung with us this long, uh, don't give up now because. It's about it's about to get wild. It is about to get wild. Um, we're about to to close out the spectacular first season, and you know, uh, a week after we finish that, into the absolutely insane second season. Yeah, then so. it, then things get weird. It's it's about to get wild for a few episodes, yeah. and then things get weird and wild. And uh, I'm all right with that. You know, it'll yeah, be to, it'll be good conversation to our listeners across the globe. <laughs> Stick with us. I think I think we'll have some fun. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Yep. Uh, leave us uh, leave us a rating and yes. a review on iTunes. Thank you to the two of you who have left such yeah, glowing point, positive reviews. We really appreciate it. We truly do appreciate it. Yeah, that's not sarcastic at all. Even though I said it weird. So whether it's iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. It's been a pleasure once again, and uh, we'll see you next week. Kisses. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Let's touch God this time, boys. Let's touch God.